Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Nice and warm outside, isn't it? Yeah. All right. I got 8 million things up here. Hey, we're glad you're here. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. And to everybody who is online, we appreciate you being with us too today. Um, we did have a great event yesterday. Thank you so much for everybody who came out and was a part of that. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a moment. Uh, what I want to start with is this game. Anybody remember this game, Operation? You got kids, you probably have it at your house. The idea is you take these little tweezers and you pull parts of Alfred's body out, right? He just looks like an Alfred. I, I don't know if that's really his name, but um, again, if you're familiar with the game, you know that the idea is you don't touch the sides. I took the batteries out, so it would be annoying like the person in the back. Um, <laughs> but there's all these different things that are inside of Alfred, right? We've got, uh, we've got a cell phone inside his body. We've got a rubber band we have a dog, uh, we have a frog, we have a toilet. Uh, Alfred has put some things in his body that he shouldn't have, right? Uh, but again, the idea is we, we take these things out. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing to me how our bodies have been created. Uh, our bodies are, are made in such a way, and with modern medicine today, that, that there are parts of our body that can be actually taken away from us, and we can still function at probably a normal level, if not even better in, in, in some ways. But there is a part of, of our body that we know if it's taken away from us, we die. That's our heart. Like the heart is the most important organ in our bodies. And without our heart, we die. Now think about the heart. The heart's pretty amazing. It's pretty incredible. Uh, it pumps about 10 liters of blood through our system every single minute. Uh, the average uh, heartbeat is about 72 beats per minute. And if we live to the age of 70, our heart will have pumped out about 250,000 gallons of blood. Not, not to mention everything that it's sending throughout our body. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible organ. But without it, we die. But if we think about the heart, we kind of think about it in this physical way, but we also look at the heart in another way, too. We, we look at the heart as sort of this emotional piece to us, right? That, that it's uh, where we have our, our feelings. I, I think about how we talk about the heart. We say things like, I'm giving this to you from my heart. I, I love you with all my heart. Or the worst one is, I am brokenhearted. Now, we understand that everything inside of us, these feelings that we have, these emotions, they really don't come from our heart, do they? They, they come from our, our minds. But, but think about this. It would be a little bit strange to say things like, I'm giving this to you from my brain, right? I love you with all my brain. Oh, you broke my brain. It's not romantic, and so, and so we talk about the heart being this place of feelings and emotions inside of us. But this isn't something new. This is something that has been going on or something that has been used uh, as a, a description of who we are for thousands and thousands of years. In fact, during Bible times, if we look back into Scripture, we, we find that when they talked about the heart, the heart was everything. The heart was the place your actions came from, your thoughts, your, your words, how you loved. I mean, everything emanated from the heart. And so the heart really was this holistic piece to who you were. It described, it described everything. In fact, we have a pretty good example of this in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, we read this word, or these words. It says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. 
Now, this was actually part of a prayer that the Jewish people would pray every single day, a couple times a day, actually, sometimes more. It's called the Shema. And so they'd pray this prayer just to remind them uh, who they were and, and to remind them how they were to, to love God, right? And so we, we see these words, heart, soul, and strength. And, and again, this holistic view of how you were supposed to love God. Now, if we actually look at the, the words that, that are here, we, we would probably say today that heart and soul are, are probably pretty connected for us. They're, they're intertwined. That, that last word there is the word strength. And uh, it's not quite the best definition for what the Hebrews wrote here. Uh, for the Greeks, they put in the word power. And so that word strength would have come from the Greek translation here of these particular words. And that meant, hey, you're loving God with, with your body, right? And so we're kind of connecting that heart, soul, and body. For the Aramaic language, they translated it into wealth. And so when you were reading through this, it was heart, soul, and wealth. And they looked at your, your money. It was, it was resources that, that you could use to love God with, which totally makes sense with our, our series. But the Hebrew word that was used here is actually an adverb. The Hebrew word is very. And so when you read this, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your very. That's kind of strange, right? Well, what's a good definition of very? There's not really a great one, but... Probably the closest we can kind of come to that is to love God with all your muchness. Love God with all of your muchness. Love God in, in such a way that you love God with the muchness of, of your heart. And for many of us, there's not much muchness for us. That we really struggle when it comes to loving God with the muchness of our heart, with everything that we have especially when it comes to money. And so today we're going to finish up this series called Change, and we're going to talk about change in our hearts. We're going to talk about what does it look like for me to live with the muchness of my heart in such a way that, that I am showing God that, that God means something to me. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about changing our perspective. We talked about, hey, looking at our money and understanding it's not ours, it's God's. And then last week we talked about changing our mind and the importance of not being captive to our money. That so many people are just captive to their money and, and yet we can be free from it if we, if we allow God to change our, our minds. But today we're going to talk about changing our hearts. And we're going to look at a passage that comes out of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you're probably familiar with this. Jesus teaches this to a bunch of people, a big crowd. It's called the Sermon on the Mount or a part of it. And he says this in Matthew 6, starting with verse 19. He says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. So here we have Jesus, and as he begins his teaching, he shares with them these three different sources of wealth back in their day. Uh, the first one was clothing. Uh, the more clothing you had, the more money you had. And so Jesus is like, if you got a lot of clothes... Now, that's great. It means you got a lot of money, but here's the problem. Moths come in, and they destroy your clothing. And so those things that you have that are your clothes, they could easily be, be destroyed and taken from you. But, but then we have this, this next little piece here. It says, and rust destroys them. Uh, again, a poor translation of the word that is there. Uh, maybe some of your translations talk about vermin. Uh, and that's actually the best translation for what is said here. Uh, rust would kind of make more sense to us in our day and time. Vermin would have made more sense to them. Uh, vermin means worms. It means mice. It means rats. Again, in those days, if you had a lot of grain, if you had a lot of land, 
then you are wealthy. And so what can jump in and what can come into those areas and destroy it all? Vermin, right? Worms, mice, rats can take it all away. So Jesus is saying, hey, you might have this, but can easily be taken from you. And then the last thing we see here is he talks about thieves breaking in. He's talking about homes. Uh, that, uh, man, if you have a home, uh, thieves can break in and take your stuff. But, but again, for them in that time period, there were no banks. So you weren't putting your cash and your valuables in a bank and a safe deposit box. You're putting it in your house. And often that meant that the really important stuff, you would actually, because the houses were made out of clay, you would dig a hole in your wall and you would stick your valuable stuff in there and then you'd put clay over top of it. You knew where it was, but thieves wouldn't. So instead of breaking through your front door, what would they do? They'd come into your walls. They'd claw through your walls. They'd dig through your walls trying to find things that were valuable. So here, here's Jesus who's saying, hey, here's all these things that you think make you wealthy. And, and maybe they give you everything that you want or you, or you desire in your life, but they can easily be taken from you. Now, Jesus doesn't say things are bad. He just says, remember, they can be destroyed. He says this in verse 20. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. As I read that statement by Jesus, I feel like it's really a question. And the question is, what are you loyal to? Are you loyal to your stuff? Are you loyal to your possessions? Are you loyal to your money? Or are you loyal to me? Are you loyal to God? Because all these things that we think are important can be taken away. All these things that we think are important can be destroyed. But this connection to God, this, this putting your treasures in who God is, those things cannot be taken from you. And those things will last forever. And then Jesus says this in verse 21. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, now of course, as we read this, this is the key verse. And, and this is really what it all kind of boils down to because this is that question of where is your heart? Is it loyal to your stuff or, or is it loyal to God? Are, are you living your life out of the muchness of your heart? Are, are you living your life in such a way that, that when you think about all the resources we, that you have and all the possessions that you have and all the money that you have, that, that you're living out of the muchness of that in such a way that you're not loyal to that, you're loyal to God. Because in the end, what we treasure, as Jesus says right here, what we treasure, that's exactly where our hearts will be. And that shows what we are loyal to. Again, Jesus isn't concerned with how much we have. Jesus is concerned of where our heart is. Are you loyal to me or are you loyal to your stuff? Well, how can we know that? Well, last week we did this thing called a thought audit, and we talked about this in terms of our mind. I think we can do a heart audit, and I believe that we can look at our heart and understand where our heart is. I'm going to throw these up on screen. I'm not going to talk about these at length like I did last week, but, but just kind of think through these, all right? And kind of, again, you can rate them like you, you did last week. Or, or is your heart worried about your, your money and your resources, or, or is it peaceful? Okay, again, you can rate yourself one through ten there. Is your heart hard? Are, are you a person that like holds it all in, like you're, you're greedy with what you have? Or do you have a soft heart when it comes to your money and you're generous with what you have? Where would you fit there? 
Hey, and then the last one there, are you worldly or are you eternal? Again, is this all mine or do I see that what I have has the opportunity to make an eternal difference in, in this world? And so kind of take that test, take that heart audit and figure out where your heart is. Because where your treasures are, that's where your heart is. And this gives you a pretty good idea where your treasures are. Are, are they stuck in, in, into the world and into yourself? Or do you have a heart that is full of generosity and you see the eternal difference that your, your resources can make? Are you loyal to your stuff or are you loyal to God? Because here's what Jesus says about this. Look at verse 24. Skip on down there. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In, in the end, we have to choose how we're going to live our life. We, we can't serve both God and money. We either serve our money or we serve God. But as we all know, our, 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 hearts, our hearts are messy. And, and when you have a, a messy heart, a messy heart leads to brokenness. And, and we can see this in any area of our life, that the messiness of our hearts leads to brokenness in all of our relationships, right? If our hearts are in the, the wrong place. But, but when it comes to something like our, our money, our messy heart can lead to brokenness when it comes to how we view our money, when it comes to our ideas of money. Because we attempt to keep up with everyone else. We spend more than we have. We, we buy things we can't afford. When our heart is messy, we have a broken mind. That means we're, we're loyal to our money more than anything else. We're held captive. We're held captive by our money. When our heart is messy, we have a broken perspective on money. We're going to hoard it. That we think it's all ours. But the reality is it's not ours. It's God's. And for all of us, if we're not careful, our hearts will always follow our money. That our money will become more important than anything else in our life. And where we invest our money and how we spend our money, man, our heart's going to follow in that direction. And too often, because of the messiness of our heart, it leads to that brokenness inside of us. And that money becomes more important than that connection and who God is. And so we choose to serve money and not God. And so what some of us may need is a changed heart, right? What we may need is a, an actual heart transplant. That, that we need a heart transplanted in, in such a way that we, we go away from that hard heart that we have, that worldly heart. And, and we begin to understand that, that what we're really called is to have this soft heart. That we're called to have this heart that understands the, the eternal difference, what our resources can make in this life. But what does that change look like? Well, a changed heart is a heart that's generous. A changed heart is a generous heart where we see our resources, that we understand the resources we have, that we can use them to make a difference in the world. What does this generous heart look like? Well, let me share a couple of thoughts with you. First, I would say a generous heart makes us joyful people. A generous heart makes us joyful people. Um, we talked about this before. Happiness is an emotion. We, we love to be happy. We love to experience happiness, right? But happiness is an emotion. It's something that comes and goes. We can buy something, feel happy about it, and a couple hours later, we're like, man, that's, that happiness is gone. Joy is a totally different feeling. 
Joy is a state of mind. Joy is a state of being. It's something that no matter what's going on in our life, we still can feel like the sense of, of joy in us. And sometimes it's hard to explain. We could be going through some of the worst times in our life and still be joyful. And again, I think that only happens because of our connection to who God is and what Jesus has done in our life. But when I look at generous people, I see people that are full of joy. I've never heard a generous person say, man, I hate giving money to other people. I've never heard a generous person say, man, I hate buying Christmas presents for under-resourced families. It's like the worst thing in the world, right? Man, I hate getting food for people in need so they can feed their stomachs and their families. I hate doing that. There's not a generous person in the world who says things like that or even thinks that way. Generous people are full of joy. And generous people love to give. And because of that, it brings joy to their lives. And by the way, a generous person doesn't always mean someone who has a lot, okay? Some of the most generous people I know have very, very little. And yet they give because there's this joy that comes along with it. A generous heart makes us joyful people. Second thing I would say here is a generous heart allows us to see we can live a life of significance. Greedy people say, what can I do for me? They're like, this is my life and I want to do something for myself. And then I'm always thinking about myself. And so greedy people they're not thinking about a life of significance for others. They're, they're thinking about it for themselves. People who have generous hearts know they exist to make a difference in the lives of others. They, they see their resources as opportunities to help others, to serve others, to support others. That there's more to life than trying to get all you can. That, that when it comes to life... It's all about living this life of significance. If you're a generous person, and if you have a generous heart, you're going to do everything you can to live a life that's full of significance because you're going to do what you can to help others. But then lastly, I would say, if we follow Jesus, a changed heart will lead us to a life of generosity. In the letter that Paul writes to his student Timothy, we know it's First Timothy in chapter 6. It reads this way. It says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. If our hearts are new, if our hearts are changed, we're going to be loyal to Jesus. And we're not going to be loyal to our stuff. And that's going to be reflected in, in how we view and how we use our money and resources. And as I read here what Paul writes to Timothy I wonder if, if he's connecting this back to what Jesus said there in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So for you and I, if we say we love Jesus, if we say we follow Jesus, then our hearts will be changed. We'll be generous with what we have. And we'll understand that our true treasures aren't here on this earth. Our true treasures are in heaven. If we think about a changed heart, if we think about a life 
of generosity, if we think about a heart that's full of generosity, how do we live this out? Well, we live this out in such a way that we are fulfilling the mission of Jesus here on this earth. That because of this heart that is full of the muchness of God, we are doing all that we can to make a difference here on this earth because we believe in the mission of Jesus. Now, I tried to figure out how, how do I kind of talk through this this morning? What does this look like? And um, what I want to do is uh, share with you um, just some stories or just a little bit about this church here, okay? Uh, now, I, I, again, I told you this, this is a money series. I've been up front with you, and I've also told you I'm not using this series to ask you to give more money to the journey or to give it all, okay? And I'm going to stick to that. But, but I want to share with you what changed hearts look like, all right? I, I want to share with you what generous hearts look like and, and how that has influenced this church and, and this, this world, well, if you've been in our starting point class, you know this church started back in 1974, so almost 50 years. And um, how this church started was there was a church over in uh, Burke and then a church down in Woodbridge that got together and said, you know, there's this sleepy little area known as Springfield. It's a little bit different 50 years ago, right? And uh, we think there should be a church there. And so what did they do? They pulled their resources together. They put some people up in this area and they're like, we're, we're going to start this church now think about that. That only begins because people are thinking in their minds, like their hearts have been changed in such a way that they have generous hearts now and they understand the mission of Jesus. And so they said, hey, we need a church to reach more and more people there in Springfield. And so this church began. It began by meeting over in Edison High School and then over the course of the next couple of years met in a couple of other schools here. And then um, during that period of time, the people that were here said, hey, we need to, we need to get some land. And so this land became available for a lot less than it's worth right now. And, uh, and they bought this land. And then in 1980, they built this church, which most of the church is still in, intact. A couple of remodeling happened a few years back. Uh, but they but built this church, put this place here. Uh, uh, back in the 90s, I believe it was, the house over to the side over here in land uh, came up for sale. They bought that. The little white house, by the way, if you don't know, that's our office space. If you walk through, like, they don't have offices here. It's because they're over at the house there if you're trying to figure out that house. So that is our land. We're not driving through somebody's backyard every single Sunday when you're here. Some people think that, okay? Uh, again, how does that happen? How do you get to that place? It's because people that were here and people in Woodbridge and people in Burke were like, God's changed our heart in such a way. We want to be generous with what we have. We want to see the mission of Jesus expanded. And so this church exists because of that. And then I think about the thousands of people, and I don't have the data on this, the thousands of people that have walked through these doors over those 50 years, the thousands of kids and teens that have been a part of this church over those 50 years. To me, that only happens because of changed hearts. It's because God has been working in people's hearts and because of generous hearts living out the mission of Jesus, that you and I are in this place today. Now, let me share some more recent data, because I know some of you love you some data points, okay? We're going to throw some of this up here on the screens, and this is information that uh, I do have, but over the last 15 years, we've seen 284 people be baptized here at The Journey. Like, yeah, to me, that is amazing to think about. Since 2018, we've seen 2,352 people walk for, through our doors for the very, very first time. Uh, this year, we've had 387 new guests that have walked through our doors, and 235 of those 
have come since June the 1st. So, so I think about that and it's like, these things don't happen if, if it wasn't for changed hearts and generous hearts living out the mission of Jesus 50-some years ago. And, and for us to continue to live that out today. Right now we have 19 groups that meet. There's about 227 people that are on those rosters in those groups. Now, 227 people don't show up every single week. And that's okay. We kind of understand that. But, but to me, that's absolutely amazing. We have 55 leaders in place. And that means leaders, apprentices, are hosts for those groups. We've gotten to that place because of changed hearts and generous hearts. And, and here's a group of people that understand that we are on this mission for Jesus. Think about Safe Harbor Counseling. We talk about counseling all the time. Since 2018, 4,951 counseling sessions from people that are connected to the journey. And out of our money here at the journey, we just started budgeting for this this past year. We've handed out or paid $31,639 out of our budget to make sure that we could help families and individuals and couples uh, and some of their, their hardest times. Like I, I see that and I think that's, that's what a changed heart will allow us to do. That's what a generous heart allows us to do. We understand the mission of Jesus. Then we think about the, the missions that we do and, and the, the money we give to missions here at The Journey. Globally, we've helped support many different missionaries all over the world. India, England, Africa, New Zealand, um, South Korea, there's an orphanage in South Korea that was started by someone who uh, grew up in this church, John Michael Becker. His parents, Pete and Vicky, still go to church here, still part of this church. Uh, he's with his wife, Skye, out in South Korea doing amazing, amazing work with orphans there. I, again, I think through this, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's because of generous hearts, changed hearts, and we're living out the mission of Jesus. We get to see this happen. Our Compassion International Church down in our community down in Colombia where over 200 kids have been supported through this church and still are supported. Again, that's all about the generosity of our hearts. In 1992 or since 1992 with Waypoint Church Partners, we have helped plant 51 churches in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. 51 churches we have given money to to help these churches start. In fact, in 1992, this church actually sent families and money up to Chantilly to start a brand new church. And that church, through that church, started a church planting organization, which is helping thousands of churches every single, every single year. Like, I think about that, and it's like, wow, how do you get to that place? Well, it's because of changed hearts. There have been people that understood the muchness of our heart and what that looked like to live that out and through that generosity, continue to live out the mission of Jesus. Locally, we've done three Generosity Feeds events. We've packaged over 60,000 meals for families here. During COVID, we had nine food distribution events that we did right here in, in our parking lot. And I think over in Key, uh, we helped to be a part of that, funded some of that, and we handed out uh, over half a million pounds of free food to our community in some of their toughest days. Uh, with Koinonia, we've done our Thanksgiving baskets and uh, hundreds of those. And we're going to do some more at the end of our service today. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, there's been our Christmas wishes where we've given gifts to kids in our community that otherwise their, their families aren't going to be able to do that. We, we've done that every year. We've got that coming back up here shortly. Not to mention the thousands of backpacks full of uh, school supplies that we've handed out through Koinonia here in this 
community. In our summer lunch bunch program, we did a few summers ago where kids who usually get free lunches at school, they weren't getting those because it was summertime, and we were taking those meals to them every single day during the summer so they could be fed. How does that stuff happen? It's because there's hearts that have been changed, and the hearts that are generous, and we're living out the mission of Jesus. And then we talk about the grocery store buyout. Last year, we did about 4,800 pounds of food. Yesterday, we did about 4,020 pounds of food. I think uh, Kathleen said it was about $1,200 in cash that came in, too, from people as they were coming through. I mean, to me, that's absolutely amazing. It's all about generosity of our hearts. And again, here we are trying to live out the mission of Jesus in our community. Which then brings me to our $5 challenge that we did a week or two weeks ago where if you weren't here, I handed out $5 bills to every single person that was uh, attending that day. And if you weren't here, that money, it was about $1,500, came out of my family's bank account. And um, I, I told you I had a conversation with my wife and we were sitting in the car and I was like, hey, this is what I want to do. And there was really long pause. <laughs> Like, really long pause. And uh, finally she was like, okay, I think I trust you. Let's see what happens. I can be cynical sometimes in my mind. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And I, I was a little hesitant myself to do this. And I was wondering if we were going to get our, our money back. But as we end the series, as we finish up today, I, I just want to share a few stories that have kind of come out of this so far um, about changed hearts and generous hearts and uh, that are still alive in this, this church today. Uh, a couple of things that, uh, that happened. Uh, somebody put in VIP passes to Sky Zone in the, in the box out there, which I really appreciate, but not going to use because uh, I'd rather not break my ankle and spend that $1,500 on repairing an ankle. But thank you. We will make sure that the, those are, are used. Somebody else? Stuck in there, their lottery ticket. And I'm impressed because on the back they wrote, we tried. All right? So thank you to those of you who, who, who did that. Um, last week I told you about the one person who texted me that Sunday and was like, hey, I just turned your five into 40, and I didn't want to know really how that had all happened. And I figured out who it was. And so we were talking last Sunday. I was like, all right, tell me what, what you did. She's like, here's what I did. I went home. We sat down at, uh, at lunch with, with my family. She's like, my family doesn't come to church. And so every single week, I recap your sermon to them. And she's like, so I recap the sermon. And at the end, I was like, so how are you going to help under-resourced families in this community? She said, every single one, I pulled out their wallet and started giving her money. So she's like, that five turned into 40. She's going to be in charge of all of our capital campaigns from now on, okay? <laughs> she's got an amazing, amazing gift. Uh, another staff member, one of our staff members says she watched as a little boy took his change and dropped every single coin he had into that box. Mostly probably to hear it just clang at the bottom, but, but here he was giving his money. Uh, one of the more powerful stories, uh, again, a staff member overheard a parent uh, talking about their kid who said they went home, they got their piggy bank, they emptied it, and put like 148 bucks into that little box. So by the way, if that's your kid, would you bring them to me at some point today because I would love, I'd love to say thank you to them. I told you last week how sometimes as adults we need to learn from our kids. I, there's a, a moment where I think about a generous, generous heart. 
Well, for me, uh, probably the most powerful story beyond that little girl was um, when I finished preaching that very first week. It was the first service. I walked back to the back uh, in the back room. I, my, my watch was going off while I was preaching, so I, I went and grabbed my phone to see if everything was okay, and it was a text message, and it was from Venmo, and I, I looked, and someone had Venmoed me $1,500, and they said, don't worry about your bank account. We got you covered. Use the rest of this money for the community. Like, I think about that, I'm like, there's somebody who's got a changed heart. There, there's somebody who understands generosity, right? And they understand the mission of Jesus. Now, last week, sort of the same thing happened. Someone put their $5 bill in, uh, in the box, and inside a, it was a check, and that check was written out for $1,500. Like, wow. There are people here in this place that have changed hearts, that are full of generosity. They're living out the mission of Jesus. That, that some of us, we understand what living out this muchness of our heart, heart looks like. In fact, many of you do. As of last Sunday, um, we collected $6,044 for what we've been doing. That, to me, that, that blows my mind. Uh, I asked for a little update right now. And, and for this service, you guys brought back another $217 today. I, I mean, that, that, is, that is amazing to me to think about. That, that here was this crazy idea that a buddy of mine gave to me, and I was dumb enough to try, right? But, but as I think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like to live in the muchness of our hearts for God. I, I don't know where your heart is. And again, maybe you took that test, and you can kind of figure that out for yourself. What I, what I do know is that there is a God who cares for us and loves us and that we have been given so much. And by the way, I'm not trying to manipulate you here with something emotional, okay? Trying to give you, make you give if you've never given to the journey or give more if you already give to the journey. I'm not trying to do that at all, I promise. Here's what I'm trying to make you think of and, and, and myself too. Like, where's my heart? Maybe I need a heart transplant. Maybe you need a heart transplant. Maybe, maybe we need this change of heart, this new heart, this, this new focus. That when it comes to something like our money, we see it not as something that is ours, but something that God has gifted to us in such a way that now we are called to use it to make a difference in this world. And, and when I look at this place called The Journey, I see that over the course of 50 years, that through changed hearts and generous hearts, living out the mission of Jesus, lives have been changed in this place and all throughout our world for five decades. And I look forward to seeing what God continues to do in this church and this community and this world through this place as we live out the muchness of our heart for God.